from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Suddenly and without warning, a nearly 1,000-foot-tall, 79-story skyscraper in Shenzhen, China, started to shake and wobble last Tuesday afternoon, sending thousands of people fleeing into the street. Video showed antennas on top of the building swaying. Emergency management officials were quick to rule out an earthquake, and the winds that day were only moderate. By the time people were in the street, the movement had stopped. Engineers inspecting the building have not be able, been able to really find any physical damage like cracks, but the entrance to the building is still blocked. The U.S. consulate there has warned citizens to stay away not only from the building, but the entire area. On the surface, anyway, everything looks fine. Suddenly and without warning. You know, we know about that here in California, don't we? Most of us have been in a building that started to shake or sway a little during an earthquake. Modern California buildings are designed to withstand those smaller kind of movements, but it really doesn't make them any less settling, does it? We've learned to expect them, but it doesn't ward off the, the shock when they happen. Some Chinese scientists are saying that it may have been caused by resonance effects, which has something to do with the frequency of the building and the frequency of the land. Uh, and it can be related to how long a tall building uh, it takes to fall down during an earthquake. Now, if you understand about that, maybe you care about it, but, uh, you know, I, I tried, and I still don't get it, so I don't care. I guess the takeaway is that the, the wrong kind of resonance can be a bad thing. But resonating in another way can be a good thing. What resonates about the events of Pentecost is that the amazing things that people heard and saw that day could only have been the fulfillment of things that had been foretold end times predictions by Jesus, and even as far back as the prophet Joel, end times we're living in, not looking forward to. The end times began at the cross. This story is one of the most memorable in all of scriptures. The disciples are gathered together in a large room or maybe a house with over 100 fellow believers, probably in prayer, which would have been the custom of the early church each time they got together. Uh, Jesus had ascended 10 days earlier. Suddenly and without warning, there wasn't a shaking, but a wind. And not really a wind, but the sound, Luke says, of a rushing wind. A sound like a violent wind, it could be translated. And it filled the whole house. And then tongues of fire appeared above everyone's head. But not exactly actual fire, but the appearance of fire. It's often translated what looked like flames or tongues of fire. Not the same as Moses' burning bush experience on Mount Sinai when he was called into service by God. Uh, the bush God used to get Moses' attention and to speak through was actually on fire. It just didn't burn up. The appearance of tongues of fire at Pentecost is especially appropriate since God has often associated his presence with fire and the Holy Spirit would be working through the apostles' speech. There was the fulfillment of John the Baptist's prediction about Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And Jesus promised to his disciples before the ascension, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What people there in Jerusalem experienced on Pentecost were miraculous, unmistakable signs that God had poured out his Holy Spirit on those that were there gathered together, that he was present. Each follower there with the disciples that day received the baptism of the Spirit because each one of them uh, would have work to do carrying out the great commission of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. 
These followers had been waiting for Jesus, what he'd promised, and, and when he left. Power from on high. Power they were going to need if they were going to be his witnesses to the whole world. You know, it must have been a frightening prospect. Like planning a Lutheran mission congregation in a place like Pakistan today, or Afghanistan, or Mumbai, or as uh, uh, a newly, uh, freshly minted missionary, uh, Pastor Paul Nelson, who was with us a few weeks ago, is now preparing for working with the churches in Indonesia. The kinds of places where Christians aren't always welcome. It was the job of these new believers, uh, but they didn't really feel prepared for it, or particularly equipped for it, at least not without Jesus at their side to lead them. And now God was assuring them that they wouldn't be going alone. This all happened in Jerusalem, where Jews from all over the world had gathered for the Harvest Festival. It was a celebration where each person would bring a special gift to God in proportion to the way you know, God had already blessed him. All daily work was suspended. It was a day set aside to simply worship and praise God. So now this whole prayer meeting moves outside where people heard in their own languages Jesus' followers praising God. People from across three different continents heard and understood. And they were amazed and they were also baffled. Aren't these Galileans, they asked? How is that possible? To appreciate that part, you have to understand that Galileans were simple country folks. They were probably the least likely to be highly educated. You know, they'd be the ones people would kid about having wagons up on blocks in their front yards. They were easy to pick out by their accents, so it was only natural that, that some of those present that day thought the disciples simply had too much to drink. It was really a lot easier to, to explain it with sarcasm than it was to admit the truth of what was happening. But they hadn't been drinking. It was only 9 o'clock in the morning. Scripture says instead they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what a day that must have been. Peter stood up to speak in the disciples' defense, and he let loose with such a powerful sermon that the same Spirit of God moved people's hearts to Christ. 3,000 people came to Christ in a single day. 3,000. Wouldn't it be great to see that kind of fire in the church again? Well, the fire hasn't really left, although you could make an argument it's been a little smothered. By COVID restrictions and COVID fatigue, sure, but not just that. The secular culture has always worked to, to quench the Spirit's flame. The church was born in excitement, and it ought to be the most exciting place in the community today. Not a place of out-of-control hysterics, but everyone ought to be a place where visitors come in and they say to themselves, something's going on here. I can see it. I can feel it. There was a good spirit there. Uh, uh, an exciting spirit. That's what Pentecost is about. The spirit created the Christian community, a whole people marked by belief in the one true God. You know, people these days, and for a number of years now, have tended to take a more individualistic view of faith. Uh, it's what makes blending a spoonful of Jesus and a pinch of Eastern religions and maybe a cupful of crystals or uh, other whatever else they might feel is uh, transcendent, into a kind of uh, uh, custom spiritualism. You know, one that will leave them feeling warm and fuzzy, one that will never ask too much for them, and certainly one that will never confront them with their sin. The problem is a, a smorgasbord religion can't save. Real, authentic Christian faith, faith in Jesus gifted by God's grace through his Holy Spirit, is personal. You can't get to heaven on the coattails of someone else. But it also, also works in community with the body of Christ. 
There are lots of ways the various parts of the body of Christ come together alongside people who may or may not yet be a part of that body to, in order to address the kind of, kinds of needs that, that we all have. Needs that you and I know can ultimately lead to Christ for resolution, even if that resolution turns out to be a special peace or the grace to endure or uh, even hope. It takes all sorts of people to make this thing we call the, the Christian church come together and tick. All sorts of different body parts, is how the Apostle Paul put it, each with their own special gifts, because Pentecost wasn't just a single moment in history or even a single month. Did you know this is Older Americans Month? Yep. Ever since 1963, thanks to John Kennedy, President Kennedy. I'm not sure that it's even okay to have an Older Americans Month anymore, so I guess I'd say enjoy it becomes, before it becomes uh, Older People Month or Older Biological Units Month. You know, uh, It was originally called Senior Citizens Month, but that name got dumped two years later when President Lyndon Johnson signed the uh, Older Americans Act. So anyway, what did you get? Did you get a free sandwich someplace? Did you get a month of free rent? A parade? Complimentary electricity? No? Me neither. Something we could work on, but there's not much month left. Luckily, the Spirit stuck around a lot longer than just a month. In fact, He's never left, and He never will. Once Jesus sent the Spirit promised by the Father, that Spirit was here to stay. So remember, Pentecost is more than just a Sunday on the church calendar. It's an ongoing work of God to make broken people whole again by leading them to the cross and the empty tomb. It's only through Christ that we have hope for the future. It's only through Christ that we can have a relationship, a personal, intimate relationship with the God of all creation. Now, when's the last time you got to bend the president's ear? any president, in person? Or what are the odds that, that he'd ever see a letter that you might write to him? Slim to none, right? And I get it. He's got a whole nation to run. On the other hand, as a believer who's been brought to, to faith by that same spirit that was poured out on Pentecost, you have God's ear 24-7, even as he runs the whole universe. And his eyes were each that important to him that he makes time. He's not constrained by time, as we know it either. And the cross is proof of just how much he cares. This body imagery calls from, comes from Paul's first letter to the young Christian church in Corinth. It was inspired, and it was something people could relate to. And this church needed help in a bad way. Listen to what Martin Luther wrote about, uh, about Paul's letter to the, to the Corinthians. He said, St. Paul had taught his Corinthians Christian faith and freedom from the law. But then the mad saints came along. Remember, saints in the Bible are just another word for believers. Uh, then the mad saints came along and the immature know-it-alls. They broke up the unity of the doctrine and caused division, divisions among the believers. In short, things got so wild and disorderly that everyone wanted to be the expert and do the teaching and make what, what he pleased of the gospel, the sacrament, and faith. Meanwhile, they let the main thing drop, namely that Christ is our salvation, our righteousness, and our redemption as if they had outgrown it. This truth can never remain intact when people begin to imagine they are wise and know it all. Therefore, St. Paul most severely rebukes and condemns this shameful wisdom and makes these connoisseur Christians to be fools. Mad saints and 
wild Christians. Maybe they seemed like it in the chaos of the moment. But later on in his letter, Paul begins to discuss the many different gifts of God they all represent, among which love is king. For just as the body is one and has many members, he writes, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. There are many parts, but one body. And he goes on to list eyes and ears and hands and, and feet, uh, really uh, emphasizing that, that each part, each different talent, uh, each gift has been given for the benefit not just of the, the individual person, but of the whole, and that each one is indispensable. Now that truth hasn't changed in the 2,000 years since. Pentecost wasn't just a moment in time. It, the Spirit is still at, at, at work today, uh, often through people just like us to bring other people to faith in Jesus. Paul's analogy is, is brilliant. The Corinthian church made the Kardashians look wholesome. They were beat up, but they had potential if they would just remember their purpose and that their success as a part of the body of Christ required them to be able to, to rely on one another and to trust one another. Now, since the first century, back when Paul was writing his letter, science has discovered that maybe we have a few body parts we could do without. Might not want to, but we could. Uh, spare ribs, for example. Not the kind you slather with barbecue sauce, uh, spare ribs. Uh, about one half of 1% of us uh, are born with spare ribs. While most people have 12 sets of ribs, uh, some of us have an extra set up near the neck, and as far as ribs go, they're, they're useless. Or take your tonsils. If a doctor somewhere hasn't already, uh, ideally these tissues at the back of the throat act for a, as a, a filter for, for bacteria and viruses. The problem is they're prone to infection. You know, go figure, right? Uh, which is why so many were removed from the throats of children back during the 1950s and 60s and 70s. These days, maybe only half as much, but uh, it's still done to control chronic throat infections and uh, also for sleep apnea. Fortunately for adults, tonsils tend to shrink with age and, and they generally stop acting up. Uh, pinky toes, that cute little fifth toe, your baby toe, the one that cried wee, wee, wee all the way home. Turns out you don't need it. Apes use all their toes to grab branches when they swing from tree to tree, but humans, we don't do too much tree swinging. Uh, so instead, we stand up using the big toe and the three next to it. The pinky toe is pretty much just for show. Paul's reminding of people at odds with one another who, who had about as much respect for one another as we have need of our pinky toe that no one in the body of Christ is useless because we're all spirit-born and spirit-powered. Every single one of us, regardless of how it might appear. You know, take a person suffering from severe Alzheimer's or, or dementia, and we all know someone who's been touched by that. Uh, particularly when, when it's in its advanced stages. You might wonder, you know, what that person has left to, to offer the body. See, but you're looking at it all wrong. Uh, even something as devastating as Alzheimer's gives you and I a wonderful opportunity to be servants and to serve. The Spirit is manifested in them for the common good as Christians reach out to them and to their caregivers to help. That's Pentecost power energizing the whole body of Christ. The bottleneck isn't with the, those people you might suspect have little to contribute. 
it's with those that you don't. And I've learned that while serving is ultimately for the sake of the body of Christ, it also results in our own personal enrichment. You'll never be all God intends you to be until you, you release that spirit-gifted potential. And until that happens, you'll never find real satisfaction in life. If you think you're too hampered by physical limitations, you can still pray. You can be an encourager. You can touch base with some of those people who have a hard time getting around these days. Maybe just to say hello and that, that all their faithful service hasn't been forgotten. You can't put a price on that kind of ministry. Sometimes we forget that our spiritual gifts aren't limited by our own human potential. They're supercharged by the Holy Spirit. Our gift is the kindling wood. The, the Spirit is the fire. There's awesome potential behind our combined abilities. You know, step out and do what God has called you to do. Be adventurous. Try a few different kinds of ministries. You know, this is the time of year somebody may come up and tap you on the shoulder and ask you to serve on a committee. Uh, think about it. Or a time when you might be moved to, you know, give us a call and say, you know, I think I'd like to help out. Where can I, where can I best help? When that happens to you, listen to what those people are saying. They may see gifts in you that you never knew existed. You know, we might not find the slot we, you know, actually fall in love with until after we give a few other slots a chance, but that's okay because not to use those gifts would be a sin. That's Pentecost power. And today, we celebrate it. Amen. Now, may that very special peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.